Open with me, if you will, to the Gospel of Matthew. That's the first Gospel in the New Testament. Chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. There we find the parable of the wise and foolish builders. Two builders. Chapter 7. The very end of the Sermon on on the Mount. Let me begin by reading to you from verse 24. Are you there? Matthew 7, 24. Reading from the East, uh, ESV, it reads this way. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the wisdom that you convey to us in your word. And we pray, Lord, that we would glean that wisdom and apply that wisdom to our lives and church today. Amen. We all know how important a foundation is, don't we? Uh, Some years ago, my brother-in-law bought a house. Some of you would call it an oversized shack. And he asked for us, my wife and I, to come help with the remodeling. Now, I'm pretty good at tearing things down. I'm not very good at remodeling. Some of you know that about me. And, And when we pulled up to the house and we parked the car, I looked to my wife and there were tears running down her face. I said, what are you crying about? She said, my little sister has to live in that? The house was literally tilted. He paid next to nothing for it. But nothing was too much. The house was tilted. Why? Because the foundation had collapsed. The foundation was laid down wrongly. Well, what my brother Lloyd eventually had to do was jack up the house and by hand pour a new foundation. And once he had that foundation poured, he was able to dig out by hand a basement. And once he had that basement dug out, he pulled off the roof all by himself and put a second story. Now, the house would have not supported the second story unless there was a good foundation. And he was able to then eventually resell that house for nearly 10 times the price he paid. Rather prudent on his part, all because the foundation was corrected. The main purpose of any foundation is to hold the structure up and to keep it standing over time. And of course, through any weather. A poorly constructed foundation can be extremely dangerous. My friends, the Christian faith is a religion 
of the broken heart. Not the broken heart in the sense of, I'm so lonely, I'm so sad. But a broken heart in the sense of being contrite and repentant. A broken heart that says, yes, I know I'm a sinner, and Lord, I have sinned against you. I have wronged you. Yes, I am good in many ways, but Lord, I have sinned against the Almighty God. And my goodness did not, does not withstand your judgment. A broken heart, a contrite spirit that says, I need to be corrected. And it stands in contrast different to the mechanical nature of paganism. The religion that says, kneel now, stand now. Says, cross yourself now, light a candle now, do this, do that. All religious form. And people come and very mechanically do all that. However, they don't comprehend the heart issue. There's no broken heart. There's just a despair to have God intervene. And we do it, they do it mechanically. No heart issue. Just wrote religion. I think there's a picture there of that my daily view. I, I, maybe that's not no, that's not my daily view. I, I believe that's the Rockefeller Building in New York. Nice picture, though, isn't it? My daily view when I lived in Chicago, when I went to when I went to school in Chicago was the John Hancock building. And what a grandiose, beautiful building that is. Uh, some of you have no desire to see city landscapes. I love city landscapes. And every morning, I would open the curtain. You don't. I see your head. But uh, I love city landscapes. Uh, I would open my curtain in my dorm, this huge picture window, and right at the center was the Hancock building. A beautiful building. Today, it is the 33rd tallest building in the world. But back then, it was the top 10 and, and maybe top 5. It has a whopping height of 1,500 feet. It's, the name's now been changed to 875 North Michigan Avenue. The avenue itself is a, a majestic portion of the city, if you like cement and lights. The building weighs an enormous 384 million pounds. 384 million pounds. And, and, and in order for that building to stand up and stay standing, it needs these caissons, which are waterproof pilings that are drilled deep into the ground to prevent it from sinking into the soft ground of that Lake Michigan region. And today that building rests on several caissons that extend down to the bedrock of Chicago. One of the caissons actually reaches 191 feet down to, into the ground, the deepest in the city of Chicago. That is to say that for every 100 feet that that building goes up, the building has to go down nearly 20 feet into the ground. That's crucial in order for that building to survive the Windy City. My friends, the Christian life is like a building. The Christian life is being constructed one block at a time like a building. And the Christian's foundation is 
crucial. What you build your life on is crucial. The Christian must have Christ as his, as her foundation. And our text here in Matthew chapter 7 explains to us why. Well, I read it to you. Let's take a look at my first point this morning, and that is the need for a firm foundation. The need for a firm foundation is recorded there for you in verses 24 through 27. And I'm sure you've noticed that we have here two builders in this parable. By the way, the word parable comes from the Greek word parabola, which means to throw alongside of. Bola means a ball, para, alongside of. To throw alongside of one truth alongside another. So it's a spiritual truth being thrown alongside of a secular everyday story. Parable. And here we have two builders. We have a wise builder and we have a foolish builder. The wise builder built his home and he built it on a rock. In fact, there you see the word Petra in the original language, which means a massive rock, a projecting rock. That's where he built his house. And the foolish builder built a house as well. His home was built on a foundation of sand. Now, he's not so foolish as to build his house on the shore itself. That would be too close to the water. But he does build it on soft ground so that he can enjoy the soothing comforts and strolls on the sand. He, he would be able to not have to walk downhill in the morning to get to work. And at the end of a long day of work, he did not have to climb up that rugged hill to the rock. It was much easier to build a house on the sandy land. And what we see here then are two results. Two results. When nature and the surroundings were calm, it's implied here that everything went very well. What a nice house. Let me show you my house. It's a beautiful house. Oh, it's a comfortable house. What a setting. You could just take in that ocean air. It smells great. The seagulls flying overhead. The lapping of the waves just a little distance away. What a suitable home. A house that brought contentment with a beautiful view. And of course, the house on the rock top also had a beautiful view, able to see long distance and miles away. Enjoy that magnificent view of the blue ocean lapping against the shore with its cool breeze and, again, the ocean smell. But when nature changed, when the seasons changed, and rain came down and caused the streams to rise, and when the winds began to blow and blew against the houses on the hill and on the shore, the destiny, the outcome of those houses are quite different. Now, both houses, my friends, please notice, are sturdy. Both houses are built well. The wind does not tear down the house. The rains do not flood the rooms. The wise man's house remains standing, however, but the foolish man's house fell down 
with the great, or as here we see in the Greek, a mega crash. What's the difference? They were both good houses, both sturdy houses. The difference is, was in the foundation. The wise man's rocky foundation did not shift with the impact of the weather. It, it was firm, firmly planted, because the foundation was firm. But the foolish man's sandy foundation shifted, and it twisted with every flow from the flooded stream. Every raindrop threatened the foundation of that house. The slightest push from the wind caused the house to creak and then to turn from the bottom up. The foundation was the difference. Jesus Christ told this story at the end of his Sermon on the Mount. And in telling this sermon, he correlates the two builders with two types of people we find in everyday life. In fact, every person here will find himself, herself, as either the wise builder or the foolish builder. And I beg you to consider which one are you? Which one are you? We have here two builders, but we also have here two hearers. Two hearers. Two lives. We have the person who hears God's word and follows it. That person is the wise builder. And we have here the person who hears God's word, words and ignores it. Here we're told he is the foolish builder. Now notice here, once again, it doesn't matter the quality of the materials you use to build your life. Some of you may insist on only the best, the fine arts, exquisite taste, an intense education. Maybe you have a glowing salary, maybe a promising future. Maybe financially you have no worries about tomorrow. Or maybe you prefer a more humble situation. Your education is lacking. Your job is not so glamorous. Uh, you wonder which is more difficult, the battle of the bulge or the battle of the budget? <laughs> maybe your life is the sort that says, you know, vacation is just a nice spot where it's tranquil and I could wade in the water, build a fire. You don't have to go skiing in the best of places. You don't have to go cruising in the most exotic islands. But the truth is, my friends, it really doesn't matter whether or not your life is like a Rembrandt painting or, or like dogs playing poker on a velour canvas. It doesn't matter. What matters is your foundation. Is your foundation flimsy and fragile or is it firm and strong? The foundation is what matters, not what you build on it. We have two different lives because we have two different hearers. And as you see here, we also have two different outcomes. Those who hear God's word, words and put it into practice, his house, his life, withstood the calamities of life. Now, notice here that the same storm hit both of these homes. 
both of these lives. Life does bring trials, my friends, to believers as well as unbelievers. Matthew chapter 5, just a little bit earlier, Jesus Christ said at verse 45, it says, He causes his son to rise on the evil people and on good people. And he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. The person who builds his life on the foundation of Christ is the person who will withstand the scourges of life. This is what we see in the teachings of Jesus Christ. Those who hear God's word and do not put them into practice. Jesus Christ says that here, his house, his life, will not withstand the calamities of life. What Jesus Christ is saying is that you will be overwhelmed by your trials. The stresses of life will make, will make that person look to mood-altering drugs, medications, in order to survive. You will be plagued with habits that you cannot break. Life will be built with, with the same materials, but your foundation is faulty. Therefore, your life will be filled with stresses and suspicions. And that person, that foolish builder, will not have the inner resource to withstand the afflictions and the plagues of life that are sure to happen. Sometimes they don't stop. And then there's also the fact of God's judgment on that person's life, which will cause that person to falter even more. My friends, please keep in mind that no one can hear God's word and walk away neutral. You're here this morning, praise God. But understand, you will not walk away neutral. You are now responsible for the knowledge you have. My job is to impart that knowledge from the scriptures. Your job is to receive that knowledge and put it into practice. But you will not leave here neutral. You will be responsible for what you know, for what you have been told. And that person who is the wise, rather the foolish builder, will also discover that contentment never comes. Or when it does, it doesn't last. It'll be fleeting. And that person's life will become a disaster zone. It will become ground zero for pain, emotionally, stressfully, spiritually, maybe even physically. The only difference between these two builders is what they did with the word of God. Notice here at verses 28 and 29 that the teachings of Jesus Christ are decisive. The teachings of Jesus Christ are decisive. You know, in a day and age where absolutes don't seem to exist, at least we're told they don't exist, who would have ever thought we can't identify a female and a male? Who would have ever thought that we would come to a point where we say, eh, is that a guy? Is that a girl? But here we are. Here we are. We live in a world without absolutes, and they absolutely exist. We're just ignoring them. 
Here we find that the teachings of Christ set down absolutes. And that the teachings of Christ are certainly decisive. Some people would say they are divisive. No, they are decisive, determinative. And you'll notice at verses 28 and 29, the very end of the chapter, how the crowds recognize it. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. The crowds recognized it. God's word is absolute. Even if they did not fully understand his word, it's absolute. And the people here are amazed at the teachings of Jesus Christ. They're awestruck. Christ spoke the truth with authority. He had been assigned his authority by God the Father himself. Christ told it like it is. The core of Christ's teachings is this, that God is all. Something our culture refuses to embrace. But will one day come face to face with that reality. God is all. If you know that today, thank the Lord right now. God is all. And man is nothing without him. No matter how grand your life may appear to be, it is in awful danger if it's not secured on the foundation of Jesus Christ. We are nothing without Christ. The reality of Christ needs to be your reality. I was listening to the radio a couple weeks ago and the old Kansas song from 1977, All We Are Is Dust in the Wind. Have you ever heard a more depressing song? Well, you probably have, but that one's depressing enough. All We Are Is Dust in the Wind. And the reality is that that song came to Kerry Livgren as he had everything and yet he had nothing. And he came to an understanding that he longed and needed something. And he looked to drugs, he looked to fame, he looked to money, he looked to everything, other religions, philosophies, and found nothing. And at the end of his rope, he finally turned to Christ. And he began to build his house, his life, on the foundation of Christ. He gave his life to Christ. Today, he still serves Christ. It's said that back during the Great Britain era of World War II, the Times of London, the newspaper, had an essay contest. And the question was, what's wrong with the world? What's wrong with this world? And so uh, people submitted their answer. Some were long answers. Some of them were theoretical answers. Some of them were very deep and thought through answers. And then there was G.K. Chesterton's answer. What's wrong with the world? His answer, his essay, two words, I am. What's wrong with this world? I am. Guess who won the essay? Chesterton. This is exactly the point that Christ is making here, my friends. There can be no true success 
no lasting contentment, no persisting hope, no stable future without Jesus Christ. Because what's wrong with your world? You are. And only Christ can resolve that conflict. Christ in you. Not just Christ in me. Christ in you. It is crucial that he be your foundation. In and of ourselves, we are but a marred image of our creator, outwardly able. Yes, we are very able people. I'm amazed at what you can accomplish. But spiritually, inwardly, we are dead. We are a sandy foundation shifting with every new idea, shifting with the changing fads of this world, shifting and straining for new and better goals that never seem to accomplish what we thought they would. Constantly, we are reacting to the headlines and scratching our heads as to what's next. Only Christ, listen carefully, only Christ, and therefore his word, only Christ is a guaranteed foundation. How you respond to God's call to make him the foundation of your life is going to impact the entirety of your life. My friends, I think we all have very intense heat, but we have a diminishing light. We are in many ways very impressive, but in reality, that brilliance is rubbed away from day to day by our life on this earth. If we live as if Christ did not live, that way of thinking is going to trickle down into every choice we make. If you live as if Christ did not live, that way of thinking is going to trickle down into every choice you make. It will trickle down into your education choices. It will trickle down in who, uh, who you choose to marry. <coughs> Excuse me. That way of thinking is going to trickle down into decisions you make for your family. It will trickle down into how you handle your relationships. It will trickle down into what kind of entertainment you entertain yourself with. That way of thinking, if you are living as if Christ does not live, it will trickle down into what words you choose to speak, what you believe, what you choose to believe, uh, what aspirations you have. It will also trickle down into what choices you make regarding church, the household of God. And the ramifications will crash down on you. Because the foundation is rotten. The storms will come and your foundation will shift and your life will collapse as pretty as your life was. If we live, however, upon the foundation of Jesus Christ, not only are we going to survive the threats of life, the winds of trials will blow, the waters of stress will flow past our windows, but we will thrive in them. I'm not saying we will enjoy them. 
I'm saying we will thrive if our foundation is Jesus Christ. In fact, those trials will build us up. Those threats will refine our commitment, our faith to God. Those trials will actually be a blessing to us if our foundation is Christ. And we will be found content because of those threats. Why? Because our foundation is in Christ. Some years ago, I spoke with a man, a local man, multimillionaire man, with a magnificent home. He literally calls it his castle, and it, it has a castle-ish look to it. He built his home, his life, without Jesus Christ. And he amassed riches, doing things that others would not dare do with dynamite. And he did so very honorably, with a great deal of risk, a lot of sweat, and diligence. However, if you look at his, his shoulder, tattooed on the shoulder, is the word loser. <laughs> loser. So I asked him about it. He said, it is a constant reminder that riches bring no lasting pleasure. Multimillionaire. Riches bring no lasting pleasure. Instead, he said, the emptiness of life without God caused my life to be built on, a, on sand to collapse. And indeed it did. But it was this very collapse that made him turn to Jesus Christ and become no longer just a hearer of the words of Christ, but a doer of the words of Christ. And upon hearing the gospel at a New Year's Eve party of all places, he found, if you will, a pearl of great price. Say, so here's something valuable, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And on that new year, he gave his life to Christ. He acknowledged his sin and repented. And on that day, the beginning of the new year, he began to build his house on the foundation of Christ. His life was reassembled. He became a brand new person. And today he still has that tattoo, loser. And he says he wears it. He hasn't had it removed because it's a constant reminder to him of who he was before Jesus Christ. before Christ became his foundation. My friends, Christ wants to transform you. And in order to be transformed, you do not need ritual, religious ritual. You do not need just to do religious things. You do not just need to give an ascension to the right things in the scriptures. You need to make Christ your foundation. 
You don't simply need to agree that this is true. You need to be a doer of his word, not just an agreeer. You need to put his word into practice and make him your foundation. And when he is your foundation, you will discover that you'll have just as many, maybe more, trials in your life. But as I said before, those waters will pass below your window and you'll look over and you'll say, it is well. My life stands strong because my foundation, Jesus Christ, is strong. Make Christ your foundation. Take time this week to read the Sermon on the Mount and linger over the end of chapter 7 and determine for yourself whether or not you are the wise builder or the foolish builder. Are you simply the hearer of God's word or are you the doer of God's word? Our Lord and Savior, we pray that you would give to us the wisdom and the ability to believe and make you our sure foundation. Amen.